0: In your name, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Travis. Well, here we are at the end of 2020. I think that a lot of us are perhaps um, glad and, and perhaps thankful that we're at the end of the year. Uh, as I think about 2020, there's a lot of things to think about, uh, but it's probably one of those years that we will never forget in our lives there are certain events that happen in certain years older you get the years start to blend together Uh, at least they do for me but 2020 will go down as a year I will never forget and everything that we've been through and it's not just the COVID but other things as well what an incredible year. What a uh, a year that has brought challenge and, and uh, change and difficulties and all kinds of things uh, for us. But God is faithful, isn't he? And he's been faithful to us to see us through. Here we are with just a few hours left in 2020. My prayer is that as we move into 2021, uh, that you will receive the blessings of the Lord. And you'll just uh, be uh, just... Uh, drawing closer to him and and he desires to do that he desires to continue work in us and through us and to show us things and to experience his grace and his mercies that are new every morning Uh, so that's our prayer we're going to have some time of prayer at the end of the teaching today but we come to our uh, prophecy update that we normally do on new year's eve and we will do that tonight. A couple quick announcements, then we'll get into our teaching. And that is uh, we're going to continue the course on Sunday mornings going through Matthew 8, nine, thirty, and 11 o'clock. Uh, and I do want to let you know that uh, as we are entering into 2021, uh, I believe that uh, hopefully and prayerfully and uh, faithfully that I'm just... Uh, sensing that uh, sometime in the next month or two, we're going to start turning the corner on this COVID. And uh, I pray that we are. And uh, as we do, you might want to pray about how you can get involved in ministry here. I really believe that God is going to bless the ministry, continue to grow the ministry. People are hungry right now. And we're seeing new people all the time that are coming, that are hearing us on the radio, uh, that are being told that, hey, you're going to grow in the word of God as you come to Calvary. Not that we're better than anybody else, but people are hungry. And one of the things that this year has brought is a hunger for people to really have answers and to be established in God's word. So pray about how you might get involved with the children's ministry in the nursery as the kids are coming back and more people are returning. Uh, And let us know so you can get a hold of us. There is a servant uh, uh, information that's on the e-bulletin. And if you desire to serve, just fill that out and the ministry leader will get a hold of you. Uh, but we're going to continue to move forward in serving here and uh, opportunities for ministry and also in other uh, areas of ministry as well. So pray about as we enter a new year, how do you want to use me, Lord, uh, as we move forward? I know that some of you that, uh, that you've been uh, very careful about coming and being in crowds and, and God bless you. We miss you. We look forward to when you come back. And appreciate all your support financially and prayerfully. Uh, The Lord uh, has shown himself strong on our behalf in so many different ways. But uh, we have to continue to make wise decisions and seek him on all these things. And you seek him on how you might want to be used of the Lord. So uh, do that and let us know. And looking forward to 2021. Everything else is there in your e-bulletin. And we'll be here on Sunday, uh, as we have our first Sunday of 2021. It will be in Matthew chapter 14. Looking forward to that. But tonight, I've entitled the message, Don't Be Troubled. So if you have a Bible, which you should have a, as you're listening to this service, that if you will turn to the New Testament book of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and then also you can... Uh, put a place where I'm going to read from John chapter 14 at the top of the chapter. So Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is Paul's writing to this young church. And he begins to write to them about the end times. Father, we do ask that you bless this time in the study of your word. As we find ourselves at the end of this year, Lord, um, you're still on the throne. You're still in control Uh, We can look to your word, and it it helps us to be established. It brings comfort to us. And I pray that tonight's study would bring comfort to us, because Paul would write to this church that was very troubled. Uh, They thought that they were in days that were dark, uh, that there was going to be great upheaval, and perhaps they had missed the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church. So, Lord, I pray that as he establishes them in truth, that as we are as well— that we would be comforted uh, knowing that we have the blessed hope that is before us. So just touch our hearts and uh, just take your word and lift us up and build us up and edify us in every way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul writing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we do read, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon uh, be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 5, Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus speaking, he would say to his disciples in that upper room, that let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you." And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul the Apostle, on his second missionary journey, you read about that in the book of Acts, in chapter 16 through 18. Paul would go to Philippi, northern Greece, in the area of Macedonia, and he would establish the church of Philippi. It was the first church. In Europe, that was established. In chapter 17, Paul would come to the city of Thessalonica. It was a fairly large city uh, of a couple hundred thousand people that was large in those days. And we read that he went into their synagogue, which was customary for Paul to do that. Whenever he went into a city, into a village, if they had a synagogue there, he would first go to the Jews, he would go to the synagogues and preach Christ and then he would go to the Gentiles. Well, we know that he was in the synagogue for three Sabbaths, and he reasoned with them. And then it goes on to tell us that people, including a multitude of Gentiles, got saved, and eventually Paul would be forced out of Thessalonica. He he was persecuted heavily in that city. Now, there are Bible teachers and scholars that assume that Paul, that he was only in Thessalonica for about three weeks, three Sabbaths, and it could be that he was there for a short time, that he was there for less than a month. But there's also evidence that he was there a little bit longer, that he was there in a synagogue for three Sabbaths. And then he went to the Gentiles and the Gentiles were getting saved. But, but that is a discussion for another time. He was there for a fairly short time and we know that as the church was established there paul would continue on his second missionary journey he would go to berea where they would search the scriptures to see if these things were so that paul was speaking about he would then go to athens and there his address on mars hill it's an incredible portion of scripture in chapter 17 and then paul he would then move on and he would go to corinth but before he left for corinth when he was in athens Paul was concerned for the Christians that were in Thessalonica. So he sends Timothy, his young protege. And keep in mind that Timothy had joined Paul. He's a young man uh, that he had joined Paul on that second missionary journey. So, Timothy, I want you to go back to Thessalonica. Check on the Christians there. Paul then would travel on to Corinth. And it would be Timothy that ended up meeting up with Paul later in Corinth. Paul was in Corinth for a year and a half, probably there longer than any other place besides Ephesus. He was in Ephesus for three years on his third missionary journey in Corinth for a year and a half. And as Timothy came back to give Paul a report of how the Christians were doing, the young Christians, new believers in Thessalonica, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 as he then, from the city of Corinth, he takes pen in hand, and he writes a letter to them. First and second Thessalonians are uh, along with Galatians are what is called the early epistles. He wrote the book of Galatians after his first missionary journey, first and second Thessalonians as he's in Corinth on his second missionary journey. And in chapter 3 of that first letter he writes to them, he writes Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love. And Paul would express the joy that they had that they were continuing in the faith and even though they were facing difficulties and poverty and persecution and at that time from Corinth uh, we know that Paul would continue to uh, hear from them we know that Paul continuing to minister in Corinth as the church was really growing there and we know that uh, as Paul was with them That he encourages them to continue to walk with the Lord, but also be watching for the Lord. And in that first letter is quite amazing because he would write to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He would write to them about the rapture of the church. And in that, we read that as they were uh, needing comfort, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And then he speaks about the rapture of the church in verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, and with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first... And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So he writes to them about the rapture of the church. When the Lord's going to come for the church, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And then he continues. Remember that there is no chapter divisions when he's writing to them. But he goes on and says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So he begins to write to them about the day of the Lord. And he goes on and he says, For when they say, "'Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Uh, "'But you, brethren, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. "'You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. "'We are not sons of the night nor of darkness.' Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but attain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. Another, just as you are doing. And I really like that. And I pray that tonight as we read the words of Paul and of Scripture that we are comforted and that we are edified and we are uplifted and we would continue to do that as we enter into 2021. And I read read these verses to you not just to to, uh, take up time, but it's important for us that Paul, when he was in Thessalonica, uh, that he spoke to them about these things. We're, we read that here in S- Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And he wrote to them about the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord. And as he writes to them, he says, comfort one another with these words. And I think it's important for us to understand that as we cover now the text that I read to you at the beginning of the teaching. Um, there is going to be, uh, a meeting the Lord. There's going to be a generation of believers. Paul writes that is going to be taken. And it's going to be harpazo, a sudden taking, to meet the Lord in the air. Comfort one another with these words. But, and when it comes to the day of the Lord, you know, when they say peace and safety, it changes the pronoun. Uh, that's a time of darkness. You're not children of the dark. You're children of the light. And we know that the day of the Lord, listen, is a period of time where God will intervene in the affairs of man more directly and dramatically than ever before. And to tell you that the day of the Lord is a period of time. It is a time where God will bring judgment upon a Christ-rejected world. Uh, That is the tribulation period. uh, Seven years. At the end of seven years is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the return of the Lord, we know that there's two esti- uh, very distinct events. There is the rapture of the church when he comes for his church, will meet the Lord in the air, the second coming of Jesus Christ that will be at the end of the tribulation period when he comes with this church. Revelation chapter 19 says that the armies come with him. It is Jude, that little epistle right before the book of Revelation, that Jude says that he comes with ten thousands of his saints. We're going to come back with him, and then he will come back physically, literally, and he will touch down on the Mount of Olives. The book of Zechariah tells us that the Mount of Olives will heave in half. He will restore the nation of Israel. Uh, we've talked about that quite extensively in our Jeremiah study. And then he will judge the nations, and he will establish his kingdom for a 1,000 years. So that's our future. So the rapture of the church when he comes for his church, the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes with his church, and it would be Paul that talked to them about those things. It's about a year later after he writes 1 Thessalonians to them that Paul has to take pen in hand once again, and he writes back to them because word had gotten to Paul that that there's some good news, Paul, concerning the church at Thessalonica, and that is they're continuing to grow. They're continuing to remain faithful in spite of the persecution that they're facing. I mean, they were really special Christians. They're young in the Lord. They're, they're a year old, uh, some of them less than a year old. They're being persecuted, but yet they continued to be faithful. They continue in love. They continue to hang on to that hope. But there's also confusion that these young believers uh, had that would cause trouble. And it concerned the rapture, the church, and the day of the Lord. So Paul, once again, wants to bring comfort to their hearts. He wants to establish them in truth, once again, uh, about the end times, how it's all going to unfold. And that's what Second Thessalonians chapter 2, these first 11 verses uh, that we read, is all about. It's really an amazing chapter because in this chapter, the 11 verses that I read to you, that he talks about the rapture. He talks about the day of the Lord. He writes to them once again about the Antichrist. He writes about the falling away. Number five, the restraining factor. He writes about the working of Antichrist. Number seven, the delusion um, that will come. It's unique in all of Scripture. Now, Scripture talks about the Antichrist. Christ, the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord. But here it is packed into just a few verses, and he wants to clarify, he wants to bring comfort to them. Once again, to to be established in truth. So as we look at this, let's see why they were troubled. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 again, we read, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So Paul saying, concerning the coming of the Lord Lord, are gathering together to him or that is the rapture of the church when we will be car- caught up the latin word rapturous to meet the lord in the air it should bring comfort to you paul writes in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 that is going to happen in the twinkling of an eye concerning the resurrection the rapture of the church not the blink of an eye but the twi- twinkling of an eye which is the speed of light don't be shaken he says don't be troubled which are strong words that Paul is using here shaken in mind has the meaning of a sudden jolt it means being shaken to the core uh, some of you you've got news perhaps of a loss or, or something very troubling that just shook you to the very core, uh, the thing uh, that, you know, circumstance that you faced, news that came to you, uh, you can understand that you are shaken Are there are circumstances that are going on around you that really trouble you. And as we read this, the reason that they were troubled because, verse 2, they thought the day of Christ, or it's translated the day of the Lord, has come. They thought that they were in the day of the Lord. They thought that they were in that time of darkness that, Paul, you wrote to us a year previously about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're supposed to be sons of the light, Did we miss the rapture of the church that we were supposed to be comforted by, the gathering together to Him? Uh, We're not comforted. We're shaken and troubled because they were thinking the day of the Lord has begun. And we know that the day of the Lord is going to be a time of sudden destruction. You wrote that to us, Paul. That's what you talked to us about. And you wrote that we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that they thought that they were in the day of the Lord was because, verse 2 tells us, because, number one, because of Spirit. Which means that there are those who were saying that they had received this revelation from the Lord. Listen. As we enter into 2021, as I've mentioned to you many times, there are a lot of voices that are out there. And there will be people that are out there that say, I've received a revelation from the Lord. I've received a vision from the Lord. And they'll give it to you. And and you're going, is that really true? Is that going on? Check it out with the Word of God. Because there are those who are saying, well, I, I got it a word from the Spirit of God. I got a, a vision to share with you. We're in the day of the Lord, and the people were shaken up by it. Always check everything through the Word of God. Um, the second means was by word, which means there was rumors. There was rumors going around that we're in the day of the Lord, and and the day of the Lord has begun, and and. and if, that was spreading throughout the church and it was upsetting the christians as they heard it they were reading the facebook post and and social media and all of that and i know christians today that do that they read this and you know this is going on and this disaster is going to take place and rumors and everything and they get so involved in that rather than checking it out with the word of god then the third source was a letter from us he says don't be shaken if it's a letter from us apparently somebody forged a letter saying it was signed and written by paul the apostle telling them that they were in the day of the lord or perhaps they missed the rapture of the church so so wonder that they were shaken troubled they thought that that man we missed the rapture we're in the day of the lord that the tribulation period has begun and they're wondering, and they need it to be established, as I've already mentioned, in truth once again. I don't think that if Paul taught that they would go through the tribulation period, that he would be writing this letter of correction to them. I really don't. Um, because their are troubled. I personally believe that Paul taught them a pre-tribulation rapture. And we will be taken out of We will be taken away from the hour of tribulation that shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth, the promise Jesus gave to the church of Philadelphia. But he said in verse 5, Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Nothing has changed what Paul is saying. So as they're shaken because they thought, you know, concerning the gathering of ourselves to the Lord... Don't be shaken because you've heard somebody who had a revelation or by rumors or by a letter that is from us that the day of the Lord had come. Verse 3, as we continue to read, that let no one deceive you by any means. So they were being deceived. And whenever we become deceived, we will become deceived troubled, we'll be shaken in our hearts, we'll become confused, let no one deceive you by any means, and that's the word for us today, because there's a lot of deception that is out there, even concerning the end times, people fall into, you know, uh, that uh, the guy who says that the Lord's coming back, the rapture's going to happen on this day, and puts up billboards, and people sell everything, And they follow that false teaching. People have been deceived about concerning the rapture of the church and setting dates. We know that Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour of my return. And he's speaking about the rapture of the church. He comes at a time that we least expect, at an hour that you do not know. That's very, very clear. So let no one deceive you. Yet through church history that we've seen people that have been deceived by those who come along and said the Lord's going to come back on this date, and they start to set dates. So we don't have to be deceived. We don't have to be deceived when people say that we're in the day of the Lord, that we're in the tribulation period, things like that. So Paul, is, he is getting them to be established once again in the things that he spoke to them about, wrote to them about, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So the day of the Lord will not happen until there is first of all, number one, the falling away, then secondly, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, which are two titles given to the one who's going to rise up At the beginning of the tribulation period, he is called the Antichrist. They were looking for Jesus Christ. And Paul has to say, keep looking for Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. Uh, The day of the Lord will begin when he comes on the scene. So there is, first of all, a falling away, the falling away. That word falling away here in verse 3, apostasy, it means in the Greek a departure or rebellion. Now, there are those who suggest, and even very uh, very smart Bible teachers that perhaps Paul is saying and suggesting that the day of the Lord will not begin until there is a departure, um, speaking and making a reference of the church uh, till the rapture happens. Well, I don't mind that interpretation, but really, uh, as we look at scripture, remember that as we've gone through the parables in the book of Matthew, that to understand the parables, I told you that we have to, uh, you know, follow uh, what Jesus, as he gives the interpretations of some of those symbols in the parables that he explains, in what is called expositional consistency. In other words, let Scripture interpret Scripture. And as we look at that word being used, apostasy, a falling away, in the New Testament, it, it always speaks of a departure or re- rebellion of the truth. And I think that's probably what's being spoken of here if we follow that principle of, of expositional consistency. That uh, the day of the Lord, that is, begins with the tribulation period, extends through the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. You go to the Old Testament, you read about the day of the Lord, that there's judgment followed by blessing. Paul says it's a time of darkness, um, that it will not begin until, first of all, there is a falling away that will take place, a a falling away of the truth. I want to read to you verses 2 and 3 here from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, and I like the way that it reads, that we read it, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a special vision or a revelation or a letter supposedly from us. Verse 3, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So Paul writing, uh, saying that, uh, listen, that you're not in the day of the Lord there is going to be in the day of the lord there's going to be the falling away now paul writing to timothy later after this would write in first timothy chapter 4 that in the latter times some will depart from the faith given heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons some of his last words that he wrote to before he's executed in second timothy that in the last days it will be perilous times, Second Timothy chapter 3, those having a form of godliness but denying its power, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There will be men of corrupt minds, and the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up from themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn, be turned aside to fables. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus, as he's talking about the signs of his coming to his disciples, we will look at that uh, in 2021 as we continue in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 24, But in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said concerning the signs, the birth pangs of his coming, that the very first warning that he gives to his disciples is this, For many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. When he was talking about the tribulation period, he said, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There has always been... No apostasy in the church, in church history. But it's interesting here that that Paul writes that when the day of the Lord begins, there will be the falling away. So there's going to be a falling away of and a departure from the truth. In the book of Revelation, chapter 17, many of you, you know this. Chapter 17 deals with Babylon, the false worldwide church, and then chapter 18, commercial Babylon. Religious Babylon, the false church that will be on the scene in the tribulation period, it's a worldwide false church, the great harlot, as you read that, that is riding the beast. The beast is a name, a title of the Antichrist. We get that from Revelation chapter 13. And this worldwide false church is supported by the beast, supported by the Antichrist. Initially, I believe, in the first half of the tribulation period, the heart sitting on many waters are people and uh, multitudes and nations and tongues. And the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. We know that in the tribulation period... That As the church gets raptured in the tribulation period because of the ministry of the 144,000 in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation... And also of uh, the two witnesses in Jerusalem, we also know that there's going to be an angel in chapter 14 of the book of Revelation that will fly uh, across the whole world and warn people, do not take the mark of the beast. And and also preaching the everlasting gospel. We know that many are going to be saved in the tribulation period. They're called tribulation saints. John would see them. Uh, dressed in white robes, and and they're going to be martyred. They're going to be persecuted. But he doesn't know who they are, and he's told these are ones that come out of the great tribulation. So there are going to be those who are going to be saved from many tongues, tribes, people, and nations. But we also know that the world is going to turn to the beast, and he is going to be worshipped by the world, and he's going to then destroy that false church. But initially, that the Antichrist uses that worldwide false church for his purposes, and the beast will destroy the harlot, the ten horns that give their kingdom to the beast. That's another study for another time. The the Antichrist is the little horn of Daniel chapter 7 that will rise out of these ten horns, which is a revived Roman Empire. So it's a fascinating study. We'll, we've looked at it in the book of Daniel. You might want to review it if, if it's of interest. But we know that there's going to be the falling away. Uh, There's going to be a worldwide false church. Uh, They're going to persecute the Christians, the true believers in the tribulation period, the tribulation saints. And that's why, listen, folks. This whole new, very popular movement that we see in certain circles of the church, uh, the new apostolic reformation, which is a kingdom now theology that says that the church is going to become powerful. There's going to be uh, anointed prophets and apostles, and the power is going to grow, and there's going to be great miracles that they're going to perform, and it's going to grow, grow, grow the church, and then we're going to usher in the second coming of jesus christ and that's the simplicity of what they're saying but the it's not going to happen the bible doesn't speak of anything like that matter of fact the bible speaks about and paul here confirms it that there's going to be a falling away that in the latter times that some are going to depart from the faith given to doctrines of demons uh there's warnings given of false christ false teachers in the last days it's all over the new testament the church isn't going to take over the world and then usher in the second coming. Matter of fact, Jesus said that if he had not come back, that man would have destroyed himself. We see that many churches today have fallen away from the truth of God's word. And I'm not saying that to, to you know, to just have this critical spirit. You know it. You see it. Uh, you've talked to others. The prosperity movement that continues to be popular uh, progressive theology in churches of, you know, we just love each other and accept each other and accept any kind of moral lifestyle and uh, really are the gospels offensive to them. Churches trying to be culturally relevant, forsaken biblical morality. We could go on and on and on. But here Paul talks about the falling away, which I believe is a reference to that worldwide false church. And then what happens is that the son of perdition uh, is going to be, you know, revealed. He's, uh, which has unveiled the meaning of uh, the man of sin, two titles in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 given to him. The only place where he's called the Antichrist is in First John. He's given 13 titles in the New Testament, over 30 titles in the scripture as a whole. We know from Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, as the scene changes from that heavenly scene where the church is before the throne of God, singing that new song that you have redeemed us out of every tribe, tongues, people, and nation by your blood, that's the church singing that. We're in heaven, the rapture of the church. Chapter 6, the scene changes from chapter 6 through 19 to the tribulation period. And and all kinds of things are going on. But the tribulation period begins according to Scripture, Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. The first seal that is opened up is the rider on the white horse con- coming and conquering and the conquered. That's the Antichrist. It's not Jesus Christ. It's the Antichrist. He has a bow, but not an arrow. He's going to come seemingly as a peacemaker. That correlates with Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, in that prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel, that in the final week, a week in Scripture, and when you read that chapter, it's a seven-year period. And to begin that week, that final seven-year period where God is dealing, Daniel, with your people and your holy city, that is the Jews and Jerusalem, that the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and confirm a covenant with many for one week for that seven years. So he comes on the scene. he, He confirms a covenant, some kind of covenant peace treaty with Israel that's going to allow them probably to rebuild their temple. And, and for a week. And then in the middle of the week, something very, very uh, interesting happens that the scripture emphasizes in the book of Daniel, also here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and also we see in the book of, of Revelation as well. And that is the Antichrist, as we read, that um, that in verse four, who opposes and exalts himself, this is the man of sin revealed, the son of perdition, above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So that is what is called the abomination of desolation. And what the Antichrist does is he destroys that false world you know, worldwide church, destroys the harlot, and he goes into the rebuilt temple, uh, the the tribulation temple. There's no temple in Jerusalem today, but they are preparing for a temple. They got all the furnishings ready to go. Uh, they're training young uh, men that they've traced back to the priesthood to do sacrifices. Uh, everything's ready to go. All they need is a building, and. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, it says there will be an end to offering and sacrifices and and then the abomination of desolation. And what the Antichrist does is he goes into that temple. He declares himself as God to be worshipped as God because he's under the direct influence of Satan. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. We know that from Isaiah chapter 14. He's always wanted to be worshiped. He took Jesus up on the uh, the mountain and said, "Look at all the kingdoms if you'll just bow down and worship me. They're yours to give." So, he's directly influenced by Satan, empowered by Satan. He will declare himself as God, and then anyone who rejects him is going to be persecuted, is going to be put to death by the antichrist. So all of this is is just an overview of what we read about in detail in the book of Revelation. And so the abomination of desolation, matter of fact, Jesus talked about it. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, there are those who come along and say, well, the abomination of desolation took place a couple hundred years before Jesus, Antiochus, Epiphanes. and, And Daniel speaks of that. Again, it's a study for another time. Jesus was talking about something future. He says, When you see it, flee, get out of there, because there will be great tribulations such as the world has never seen or ever will see again. And this one is going to declare himself as God. He comes on the scene as a political leader, an economic leader, because if you do not take his mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. He's a military leader, he's a religious leader, he's a great orator. Daniel emphasizes that over and over again. He's going to persecute the Jews that are going to have to flee to the rock city of Petra. That is in Revelation chapter 12. Other references as well. And he will persecute the tribulation saints. In verse 5, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. Now, here's the thing. That this was a young church. And last year that I did the message entitled, you know, the end times, ignoring the times or discerning the times. And a lot of churches are discerning the times, and there's a lot of churches that are ignoring the times that we're in. And my desire and what's been put on my heart, my passion is for you today to be discerning of the days in which we're living in. We don't know when the rapture is going to happen. I believe the rapture can happen at any time. There's no prophecy that needs to precede the rapture of the church for it to take place. That's why Jesus said that I come at a time that you do not know. I come at a time that you least expect. And we can see the signs around us, the storm clouds gathering. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders because they were ones that you can discern the the weather, he said to them, but you cannot discern the coming of the Son of Man. You should have known the day of my visitation. And yet, there are many today that are pastors and churches that won't talk about the return of the Lord. Or they got a different, you know, there's going to be no rapture, there's no millennium reign, all millennia. That's growing in the church today. And it's unfortunate because you have to dismiss hundreds of verses of the Old Testament, and also as you look at the New Testament, whole chapters. That Israel replacement theology has grown in the church, evangelical churches today, that Israel plays no part in the end times, that God is through with Israel. And it's not biblical. And my desire is for you to discern the days in which we're living in. And sometimes I hear pastors say, well, those things aren't important anyway. We don't need to be bothering people about the return of the Lord. We don't need to be teaching through the book of Revelation. We don't need to talk about the rapture of the church. Those things aren't important. Well, they were important enough for Paul to teach this young church those things. He said, I spoke to you about these things. He wrote to them about it. It was important for them to be established in that, to bring comfort to them. And it is John that would write, as he talked about when we see our Lord, that he who has this hope purifies himself. If we believe that, Lord, maybe today, I don't know, but perhaps today, I'm going to be watching, I'm to be waiting, I'm to be serving, be the wise servant that does that because you could come today as you were doing that and living in the expectancy of the return of the Lord, then you're going to live in a life of purity. You're not going to be all carnal and involved in the world and all of that. So it has a purifying effect on our lives. So these things are important. He says, don't you remember that when I was with you, I told you these things in verse 6, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. I love these verses. Nothing has changed. You know, you haven't missed the rapture. It's not the day of the Lord, and the mystery of lawlessness is at work. But there's a restraining factor. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Underline that in your Bible. It reminds me of what John writes in his epistle that you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Again, the only time that that title is given to him, Antichrist, which means against Christ. Also, there's some meaning that instead of Christ. I believe that the Antichrist, as I read Daniel, as I read about him in the scriptures, that he's going to be against Christ. It's more against Christ. He's going to speak blasphemy against Christ. He's going to blaspheme God by proclaiming that he is God. He's going to persecute the believers in the tribulation period i believe he's really against christ but he's called that even now john goes on to say that many antichrists have come and keep in mind that the spirit of antichrist is already at work we know that lawlessness is at work satan is at work today But there is a restraining factor that keeps Antichrist from being revealed. When the tribulation period begins and Antichrist is revealed, there's going to be a worldwide lawlessness, a sudden rebellion against the truth in God's word. But for now, he who restrains will do so until he is removed. And I believe that this is speaking of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in believers in the church, the You know, Holy Spirit is a restraining factor through Christians whom he indwells. The church isn't a building and programs and religiousness. The church is you and me. As we come into this place, we come in the church, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, dwelling in our hearts. And can you imagine what this community would be like, what this state would be like, the nation, the world would be like if there was no Christians, if we were gone. And it really reminds us and puts the perspective of our presence, our prayers really hinder evil from taking over. We have a huge spiritual influence on this world. And when Christians are removed in the rapture of the church, then the Antichrist, he will then be revealed. He'll be able to come on the scene. I believe we are that restraining factor. I do not believe that Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit will not be present in the tribulation period because God is omnipresent. And there are going to be those who are going to come to Christ in the tribulation period. That's still the drawing of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit. But the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the church is going to be removed. And that's another reason why I believe that that it's foolish to just... Spend all this time looking at who's Antichrist. Every time a new leader comes on the scene, oh, they're the Antichrist. They're the Antichrist. Trying to figure out his number is 666 and all that. We're to be looking for Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the scripture is it told that we're to be looking for Antichrist. Could he be alive today? He could be. I don't know for sure. But he will come on the scene when we are removed And when he does come on the scene, it will be evil like never seen before, like never seen before. And in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, sign and line wonders. And with all unrighteous, you know, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved He will come with great lying signs and wonders. We know from Revelation chapter 13 that there will also be a false prophet that will point to the Antichrist. He will work signs and wonders, calling down fire from heaven, all by the power of Satan. Everything that he does will be deceiving. He will present himself, the Antichrist, as an angel of light. Consider again, as Daniel emphasizes a great orator, the world's going to say, man, he speaks great things. He's a great leader. He will bring unrighteous deception. And those who do not receive the love of the truth will receive strong delusion that they should believe the lie, verse 11. What is the lie? There's been different thoughts, but I believe, just as you read this in context, that the lie is that... He is God, that he is Christ, that he's the Messiah. Everything that Antichrist does and says will be false and deceptive and evil in its essence because it's against truth and lead people away from God, from salvation and from truth. It reminds me of what Paul the Apostle wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity that is in Christ. So what does it mean for us as we've gone through this and and as we move into a new year, 2021? What what do we be looking for? How do we become comforted? Uh, How is it that we know that we can be discerning the days in which we're living. And I think that that there are things that are going to be taking place as there are certain signs. And we just covered a little section of prophecy. The third of the Bible is prophecy. So it's very important for us to continue to study and look at it and study all of God's word. But as we know that Jesus talked about, there will be certain times. You know, Paul talked about certain things. And, and Jesus said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up and rejoice, for your redemption draws near. And he also would warn the you know, disciples in the Olivet Discourse, uh, as you read Luke's narrative, he, he says some very important things. He says, take heed uh, to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of dislike, that that day, what day, the day of the Lord come on you unexpectedly. Don't get so wrapped up into cares of life and worldliness that that day overcomes you, but it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. That is a term that you see in the New Testament who dwell on the face of the earth. That is reference to unbelievers. It's going to come as a snare. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the son of man. We're worthy as we come to him, but you be watchful. Don't let this day overtake you and and watch that you may escape. There is an escape. People sometimes say, oh, you who believe in the rapture of the church, that can happen any time. You just want to escape. Yeah, I do. I don't want to stay here in the tribulation period. I don't want to stay here as this world gets worse. So what is it that we're to be looking for? Because I know that a lot of Christians were troubled this year, not just with the COVID, but everything else that was going on culturally in our nation, uh, with the election, everything else that we see around the world, what we hear, those kinds of things. Really, things are falling into place, as the Bible said, would happen, those signs, birth pangs in the last days. So what is it that we're to be looking for? How is it that we become discerning and not troubled by all these things, but to trust the Lord that he's on the throne and that he's coming for us and the plan of, of the end times is going to unfold just as the Bible said. John, write these things down in the book of Revelation that must take place and they will take place. But we have a blessed hope, don't we? There's a number of things that, uh, that you might want to write down. Number one, Don't be surprised, and I don't like saying this, but don't be surprised to see a decline of America. I know that's hard to hear. I love this nation. It's the greatest nation in the whole world. God has used this nation powerfully. But what we're seeing is we are seeing a decline of our nation. And I really believe our hope, our only hope, is a spiritual awakening, that there's a revival. And I pray for a revival. And I believe God wants to save this nation. But we're seeing a decline in America because getting further away as a nation from the Lord. We're seeing more socialistic ideas that are being adopted and decline morally. And, and, you know, what would happen if the rapture happened and all the Christians were taken out of our nation? It would be devastating to our nation spiritually. Of course, to the whole world. We just talked about that. So as we look at the end times, what concerns me is, you know, here's the end time power that is mentioned in the scriptures is the revived Roman Empire. We don't have time to talk about it, but the book of Daniel speaks about it. And Revelation confirms it. The Antichrist is going to rise out of this, this confederation of kings Whatever that means, is it 10 kings, 10 regions, 10 nations? Uh, that is an extension of the, the uh, legs that were representing Rome in, in Daniel chapter 2, the foundation of Bible prophecy, the 10 toes, all of those things. But the revived Roman Empire is what is called the Antichrist, the little horn will rise out of the 10 horns. America is not mentioned in end time prophecy. There are those who come along with different interpretations and, you know, that we're Judah, we're Israel. We're not Israel. Israel is Israel. And America is not mentioned, and that does concern me. Second of all, we're probably going to see an increase in lawlessness. We certainly saw that in 2020 to where things were happening that I thought we would never see. And we're talking about lawlessness to where... You know, we're not talking about the discussion on police reforms. We're talking about uh, abolishing police departments in certain cities and, and debunking them and defunding them and all of this. We're, we're going to see more lawlessness that has taken place. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, one of the signs, the birth pangs of the end is lawlessness that will abound and the love of many will grow cold. So we're gonna see probably more increase in lawlessness. Number three, be looking for more of a call of a worldwide, you know, movement. uh, uh, One world government is what we call it. Economically, politically. We heard this year from a former leader, the former prime minister of Britain, say that what we need is a one world order. And I think there's going to be a movement towards that. And I think that certain issues are going to help that cause. The pandemic that we saw this year certainly is calling for the world to come together. And, and, and any kind of pestilence pandemic gives that call, moving towards that, working together and, and having a one world order. And listen, when it comes to... Pestilence are part of the signs of the last days. Birth pangs. It's interesting, when you read the book of Revelation, pestilence are mentioned 11 times. Also, in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter Ezekiel 38, when God defeats that army that comes against Israel, pestilence are mentioned as being used to defeat that army. Uh, I, I don't know. I pray that we're over with this COVID-19 soon and we start turning the corner. And I believe we can. And I'm, I'm very thankful for those who have worked so hard the, the medical fields and on the front lines and, and we've given up so much. But is there more that could be down the road? I don't know. I don't know. Could there be more that comes out, viruses or something, as part of the birth pangs that are talked about? I, I hope not. We hear about climate change, don't we? That is a huge issue, especially with the fires that went on this summer and ash was falling on us. It was something I've never experienced in in, uh, almost 50 years of living in Colorado. It was apocalyptic when those, the dark clouds came over as smoke. It, it was amazing. So we hear climate change, and there's a call that the nations need to come together in the Paris Accords and all of that. Listen, the world is looking for a leader, for a leader to come along. Luke records in the Olivet Discourse, as Jesus is talking about the end times, that the distress of nations will happen with perplexity. In other words, nations are going to be facing problems that they don't know how to solve. They're going to be in distress. There's such perplexity, and we're seeing that even today, aren't we? We're seeing it with, you know, discussion of climate change and the fear of that and economically and, and the things that have happened, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, uh, terrorist attacks, all these things that are taking place. And there's going to be one that will come on the scene, the Antichrist, and he will seemingly have the answers. Don't be surprised when you see more technology on tracking people, and uh, that's going to all culminate in the tribulation period. So there's going to be a call for a world global, you know, order that will come together. And the Antichrist is going to be a world leader. Number four, I think we're going to see more tensions in the Middle East concerning Israel. I heard just a few days ago that Israel is going to enter into its fourth election in two years. In March, another election. Um, They just seem they can't settle on a government. They can't settle on a leader And I believe that as we have a new administration that's going to be taking over next month, that it could embolden Russia and Iran and Turkey that's already in Syria to come against Israel. Israel, as you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, the stage is set for that battle that it could happen. And it is a battle in the last days where God will intervene, come against that coalition of nations that will come into northern Israel. Read it. Uh, We've looked at it many times here at Calvary Chapel. uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. And God will destroy those invading armies. It's led by by Russia with Iran and Turkey. They're already in, in Syria, entrenched there. They may be emboldened. They're coming to take the spoils. We know that Israel is very wealthy right now absolutely amazing a nation that's been around for for 70 years 70 80 years now since 1940 uh, eight, when they became a nation, how strong they are, how prosperous they are. A- and they're coming to take the spoils in a place that, that is in dwelling securely. That's Israel today. And they are beginning to build that pipeline up into Europe to sell natural gases. They have a huge natural gas field out on the shores of Israel. And usually what I hear, when there's natural gas, there's oil. And Russia is not happy with it. Putin is not happy because they get a lot of they're selling a natural gas over into Eastern Europe and Eastern Europe countries have said, well, we'll get it from Israel. It's more reliable and we don't have the threats of, you know, the the uh, valves being turned off, all this stuff. So I think that we're going to see more tensions. Israel being isolated that the Bible talks about, that Jerusalem will become a cup of trembling, Zechariah uh, prophecies tell us about that Israel is going to be condemned more, uh, we're going to see that. Don't be surprised of people in the Middle East. Number five, continuing to see the birth pangs, the signs of men's heart failing them. And we're seeing that even today, this year. More people are depressed, more people are discouraged, feeling hopeless than ever before. Jesus said men's hearts are going to be failing them because of fear, because of uncertainty. And this is where I want to encourage you, Christian, that our hearts can be strengthened and comforted because we have the certainty of God's word and His promise and His presence with us. And whatever it is that you face in the new year, know that the Lord is with you and He loves you and He's got a wonderful plan and He's working in our lives and He desires to. Show himself strong on our behalf, and we can be strong and courageous because we do have the assurance of God's word, the assurance of eternal life, the assurance that he's going to come in the blessed hope and take us with him. We'll probably see more natural disasters, of course. All the signs are going to culminate that are being spoken of in the Olivet Discourse in the the tribulation period. Number six. I pray for revival, but number six, we could see more apostasy in the church and acceptance of that which is false. I don't know exactly what this worldwide false church will encompass. You know, there's all kinds of guesses, but it's going to be worldwide. And it will be very deceptive and vo- false. And I believe that we will see more of an apostasy that has taken place in the church today because there's going to be a decline in the importance of the word of God. Number seven, I'm hope I'm wrong on this. But don't be surprised if we see an increase of persecution of Christians and we are going to see an increase in anti-Semitism. We have even leaders in Washington in the Capitol that are anti-Semitic, anti-Christian. We saw the overreach of, of our leaders, you know, against churches in this pandemic. Don't be surprised if we see persecution against the church. I'm so thankful that I live in America where we have constitutional protections. But I wonder, I think about, are we going to be more persecuted? Persecution is rising across the world. You know where the fastest growing churches is in the Middle East and in Iran. They are heavily persecuted. And I say that because when we get to the tribulation period, we will be in heaven. But the tribulation saints are going to be killed. The Jews are going to have to flee because of the Antichrist. So don't be surprised at persecutions on the rise against Christians as we get closer to the return of the Lord. But the final word that I want to give to you tonight is don't be troubled. Christian, we have the promise of the Lord coming for us. And we live in amazing days. We live in a generation... For the first time in 2,000 years, you know, since 70 A.D., that Israel and the church are together once again. And God has a plan for Israel, and they will go through tremendous turmoil, Jacob's trouble, and then their eyes will be open, as Paul says, at the end of the tribulation period. Jesus said that you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Their eyes being opened, and then all of Israel will be saved, and national rest. God has a plan for them, but he has a plan for the church. And the church is this, this, he's going to take us out of and away from the hour of tribulation that shall come upon the whole world. There's only one time that it happens, that's in the tribulation period, to test those who dwell on the earth. He has a glorious plan for us. So he wants to use us because as we talked about on Sunday, there's a final harvest, there's a final catch. And the Lord desires to use us, but we don't have to have a sense of hopelessness. God is working. And He wants to work in your life. And He wants to use you. So it's very, very important that we keep our eyes on the things above, as Paul wrote, not on the things of this world. We can become overwhelmed. I get concerned too. And I get upset. And I become troubled. And I have to stay focused on the Lord. I have to stay focused. On him, and know that he has a wonderful plan of redemption for us. And these things are going to come to pass, but we have the opportunity to be able to share with others the hope that is in Christ Jesus. My prayer for you this New Year's is you're not troubled or shaken, but that you are comforted because you know the Word of God. You're discerning of the times in which we're living in and you can be comforted knowing that the lord's going to come for us. Father, i thank you so much for this time and as we end the year 2020 there's so much that we can be thankful for. Even though it's been hard, it's been difficult in so many ways. But i pray for us that we would keep our eyes on you, be discerning of the days in which we're living in, knowing that your word is true, you have a glorious plan for us and that we would be willing to share that with others. I do pray for your guidance and strength and comfort this year. I pray that you would work in our lives personally, our families, and in this church. And Lord, as we hit midnight here in a short time and the calendar changes, that we would know that you're with us and your mercies are new every morning in this new year. And you're with us. To strengthen us to establish us help us to continue on with you lord in every way and lord that we would be a light in the darkness that we would have words of truth in the confusion and deception that lord that we would give edification and encouragement to those who are faint-hearted as jesus talked about would be our day and lord that we would ourselves come together as a church to really be edified and just encourage one another, love one another. So we commit this time to you, this new year to you in every way. Lord, I pray you bless everyone here as we go our way, as we start a new year. Looking forward to what you have for us, the glorious things that you want to do. Good things, Lord, that you want to do in our lives. So draw us to yourself. Lord, Help us to, Lord, keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, Lord, we just once again are so thankful for your word given to us, the blessed hope that is before us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all of God's people said amen. Hey, happy new year. God bless you. See you in the new year on Sunday, hopefully, and, and looking forward to what the Lord has for us.